In today's episode, we're going to talk about what motivates someone to get out of that civilian lifestyle and into the swashbuckling world of being a restaurateur. We're going to talk about the path that it takes, the path you have to walk to get to where you are right now. We're going to talk about how every restaurateur or chef goes through struggles, and that's what it takes to run a successful business. You know what they say, restauranting ain't easy. I'm Justin Warner, and you're listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. On the show today, we have Paul Bomer. Paul is the co-owner and chef at Bomer in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Having started working in the food industry as an apprentice under internationally renowned chef Michael Stotlander, he would begin his own entrepreneurial path. After two and a half decades of tireless effort, he opened up his very own restaurant in 2009 and has continued his efforts and dreams ever since. Now on his 12th year, we are about to talk to him about the day-to-day challenges and triumphs of working in the industry, the good, the bad, and everything in between. Without further ado, here's my talk with Paul. Who are you, what are you doing, and why are you here? My name's Paul Bomer. I'm the uh, chef and owner of Bomer Restaurant in Toronto at 93 Ossington Avenue and a big user of Touch Bistro POS systems. So uh, talk to me about your restaurant. We've just celebrated our 12th anniversary here in Toronto. Uh, we are a local farm-to-table restaurant, you know, so basically we try to get out to the farmers as much as we can and bring in the produce. We try to stay within Canada's borders of everything that we use. It's Sometimes it's hard, especially in the wintertime when there's not a lot of stuff around, but we, you know, we manage to pull it together and, and we have a lot of fun with it and we try to produce the best possible food we can. Awesome. Walk me through a menu. What's it like? We do a lot of, uh, you know, French, French backgrounds, you know, a lot of natural reductions. Sauces are a very important part of the, of the dishes that will uh, enhance the actual protein that we put on the plate or the vegetables that we use on the plates. And uh, it's, it's, you know, flavor is, you know, very, very important. You know, we, we're more about all the flavor than, you know, presentation is important too, but it's like, you know, when you come in, you eat something, we want you to go, wow, you know, like that really blew me away. And I want to come back and keep trying more and more dishes. I love it. So uh, what is your, I mean, are you chef, owner, all the above, dishwasher? All the above, what do you got? Dishwasher, electrician, painter, you name it. I do everything. I identify, I was talking with some ranchers uh, the other day and ranchers were telling me that, you know, they, you know, the job is to simply keep the animals alive, but doing that, you need to be a plumber, an electrician, a painter, everything. Yeah. Psychiatrist, you name it. Staff so, have problems. They're like, chef, can you help me out here? It's like, what do you need, man? Yeah, I hear you. Um, so celebrating your 12th year, that's uh, pretty much a milestone. And it seems like you've got it figured out, right? Most restaurants shutter within the first couple of years, but you've been going for the better part of a decade. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been uh, a chef here in Toronto for about 38 years now. So I've, you know, I'm well established. I'm, you know, I've, I've uh, worked with, you know, a lot of great chefs in the city. I'm a Iron Chef Canada winner. So I've got a, you know, a good base of good solid background and working with some chefs like Michael Statlander and uh, who was my chef and who I apprenticed with, you know, 38 years ago, who was a, a brilliant man. He was a farm up north and serves dinners at his farm. You know, like Michael is a, you know, he's a very unique chef. You know, he's doing event like his farm, for example, Eigen's and Farm is, is uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like a chef's sanctuary for all of us where we go up and cook together in the fields and, and you know, time to gather and then customers, you know, will come up and, and, uh, 
enjoy the time talking to all of us. But, you know, I mean, Michael, basically his farm is, is more, uh, you know, he does dinners for, I think, about up to 14 people, you know, a couple, two or three nights a week. Or he was doing that before the pandemic, you know, doing like a, an eight, I believe an eight, cor- eight to 10 course dinner sometimes depending on what's going on. But, uh, you know, just everything's off of his land pretty much, you know, it's like he grows all his own vegetables and, you know, he's got his chickens and pigs running around and it's great to see like an organic farm and, and how hard they work at doing this to, you know, baking their bread in a wood burning oven that they built outside. I mean, you know, if you go up and uh, I don't know if you can check out their website or, you know, there's lots of pictures you can see of the place. And it's, uh, you know, it's stunning. And you go up and you just, it's, you're in a whole other world, you know, of just forest and, and you're walking around. You know, I have a, a cabin, a container house that I use when I go up there that he's insulated and I can stay up in there in the winter, build a fire. And, and then, you know, we cooked a little bit together in the house and it's, you know, it's just really enjoyable. I hear that. There is uh, truly something special about, you know, uh, wine that's bottled at the source, you know, cooking at the source is a, a magical thing. Yeah, uh, it's it's like the there is a condiment that is context and the context makes everything taste better. I, I don't know how or why that is, um, but I think that's another one of those things that chefs just chase is, you know, the right food in the right time at the right place. And the right, right. skill set, you know, when all of those things come together, it's truly magical. It really is. And it's, uh, you know, I know there's a bunch of us that love uh, just going up for that reason. Sounds perfect. In your uh, 12 years as a restaurateur in Toronto, how has Toronto's food scene changed? It's, it's really funny. Like over the years, you always see uh, things like, uh, you know, all these great restaurants open up and then, you know, there's... Uh, a ton of Italian restaurants open up in town and Italian is the big one because it's, you know, the food cost is the lowest because pasta and pizza, it's a lot cheaper to make. And it's, you know, to, but to make really good quality, it's, it takes time. And if you're making the pasta yourself, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it has restaurants have changed in the last 12 years. The, the attitude, the diners have changed, you know, uh, I'm, used to a lot of diners from, uh, you know, from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that a lot of them would travel and are well experienced and well versed in, in dining. And now, so now it's a new generation of people coming up to dine that are just learning about it. So it's kind of like, you know, putting things out and trying to educate people as to this is, you know, a French cuisine background. These are the sauces and this is why we do it with the dishes. And it's becoming, you know, a whole effort of teaching people now, you know, another level of cuisine. I love that. What was the radioactive spider for you? Well, you know, when did you know restaurants? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've been, honestly, I've been cooking since I was about six years old. You know, my father was an incredible, incredible cook. You know, he was, um, he was born in Indonesia, of German descent. My grandfather ran, uh, uh, he was the engineer for a sugar plantation. So he grew up eating all this incredible Indonesian food and spices and all that. And so I ended up growing up eating all of that great food and my palate just really, uh, you know, I just loved it. And uh, my, um, you know, I, I lived in Europe for quite a few years in Spain. So I grew up eating, you know, incredible food and learning about seafood at a young age, but beautiful, fresh fish coming in right off the boat. And that, you know, I 
continued cooking, but it was all fun for me. And, you know, I had to do a prime example. I did a dinner for my dad when I was 14. I did this massive tempura lunch for him back way back when. And it was like it, all the materials cost my dad 300 bucks. Right. And he's like, God, this is an expensive lunch. And I said, well, you know, I did the lunch and he went, wow, this was worth it, man. This was so great. He says, you should think about doing this for a living. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? This is fun. I don't want to do it for a living. Next thing you know, I moved back from Europe. I come here. I needed a job. And I'm just like, I met Michael Statlander and I started with him. And it was just like, this is incredible. You know, I love doing this. This is like my calling. I get it. And I get it. You know, it's like I always it just came naturally to me. And, I, and I've, I've loved it ever since. I, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not passionate about what I do. What has been the most challenging aspect of running a restaurant for 12 years? Uh, you know, staffing it, trying, making sure you keep people with you, you know, um, being consistent is extremely important. Like, you know, you can't just, your food has to be consistent. Your service has to be consistent when everything is sort of up and down foods. Okay. One time, not so great. The next, that's a big problem, you know, and I think restaurants, they do, there's always a turnover of staff in restaurants. And the most important thing is to try and keep the staff, the really good staff that you have because, and keep them happy so that, you know, you keep producing everything that you you've got and it, and people will go, wow, this is, I love going there because I get great service. I get great food and keeping up with that is hard. So you have to do a lot of training with people and stay on top of them all the time. So how do you specifically manage consistency and what do you do in the event that consistency is not there. What do you do? Uh, rectify it right away. If there's any screw ups, I mean, I, you know, I pay attention to everything that goes out of the kitchen. Um, you know, it's, I don't, I, I observe everything and I constantly quality check with everybody. And, uh, you know, the servers are also well-trained so that, uh, you know, when, when they go up to tables, they know exactly what they're talking about. So if we actually miss something on a plate by mistake, it's really busy. Some of the servers can say, hey, chef, you know, that the garnish is, is missing right there, you know, and you're like, thank you, you know, appreciate it. It's, it's just getting everybody to work together as a team, as opposed to having front of the house and back of the house and everybody's got issues with each other. I don't allow that. I don't like that. And, I, you know, I like, you know, and I like people to, you know, work together as, 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 as smoothly as possible. How would you describe your management style? I've been known to be a little, not aggressive, but I mean, you know, some, when it gets really busy and, and things, there's a couple of screw ups, you know, I, I firm up, but in general, when it comes to dealing with my, the staff on a regular basis, like, I'm, you know, acts, you know, accidents happen, mistakes happen. And it's like, okay, Hey, look, let's just make sure we rectify things. I work with everybody, you know, and we all respect each other, you know, that's, and that's, I think that's really what it comes down to is, they respect me and I respect them. And that way we really have very few incidents. How do you build respect? You know, it's, it's something respect is something that can be learned, you know, and oftentimes people aren't raised to respect. Like it's just, it's not a quality that, that humans inherently have. It's something that has to be like nurtured and stoked. Uh, how do you do that? Uh, you know, my, my dad was a very kind human being, and I guess I kind of learned from him that, you know, you, you have to treat people a certain way, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes, yeah, we all falter and, and fall off the wagon and get angry, but in general, you know, you got to really, you got to pay attention to what you're doing and you got to pay attention to your, 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 your managing, 
uh, and managing people because this way, you know, everybody is not afraid to come and talk to you. Like some chefs and managers are very, like very strict and hardcore. And then, you know, people are like afraid to go talk to them. I'm like, I can't have that. You know, times have changed. Years ago was where, you know, you go into a kitchen and the chef would tear a piece of your hide off you because you screwed something up. And next thing you know, everybody's like kind of cowering and it's like, it doesn't work like that anymore. You know, you have to, you have to be gentle. Kindness is a very important part of running, running a place. Be kind and, and take care of your staff. What uh, are the three like traits that you're looking for when someone suits your restaurant? Well, you know, professionalism is very important, but also your, um, your character, your personality, you know, how you carry yourself and, and uh, how you, how you can talk to others. And I look for, you know, the same in the kitchen. It's like people to, you know, be able to want to learn and want to take on what's, what we're offering. And when they do that, it's like, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to work with. So what was the pandemic like for you, what uh, laterals or switches did you have to make to, uh, you know, to continue the restaurant? Because so many restaurants didn't make it. Yeah, it was, I mean, we were right on a thin wire. I mean, it was really touch and go. We almost pretty much, you know, at one point we're prepared to close because, you know, we, the support we, were, we weren't getting from the government and uh, until they finally gave us you know, some loans and things like that to help us get through the pandemic. We did our best to, you know, do takeaway, but because we're more fine dining, the uh, like things like Uber and Lyft and all these companies could not deliver past seven minute drive from where we, we are. So we lost out on a lot of that. So we had to go into like doing box dinners and it was a struggle to do it. You know, you don't, you don't make a lot of money and you have to, we had to, uh, you know, we had to lay off pretty much all the staff. It was just myself and two other people and you know, trying to hold it together. It was really, really tough. How do you keep a good attitude? Like the attitude you have right now when things aren't great, it's not going to help any to be negative. It doesn't work. You know, people can complain about it and say, Oh my God, this and that's going on. It's like, yeah, I know it's, we all know it's there. But, you know, that's also some inexperienced people going, you know, they just, if you want the drama, go ahead and throw it out there. But I mean, there's, for me at this point, it's like, I'd rather focus on, okay, this is where we're at. And we have to, you know, just run our way through it and keeping the staff that I have, you know, I have to keep them positive and, and happy to be there too. Right. And it's like, so it's, you know, you get negative. And I, and I saw it when I, I kind of slid down that rabbit hole myself a little bit after a while, after the first year, because it, it's really, it was really depressing and debilitating. And, you know, I had to, you know, I had to fight my way out of that. You know, I, I had a, you know, a good friend of mine die by suicide. You know, he's a chef as well. And, you know, all these things and you, you look at it and it's, it's, you know, all your people are getting depressed and, and everybody's upset and, you know, like they can't work. And if you're a leader, you have to, be the positive one. You have to be the strong one to get everybody through it. And if you don't, then you're, then you're done. You got to go down with the ship. We've talked that, uh, to run a restaurant, you need to be a little bit of uh, a jack of all trades. If you weren't in this trade, what trade would you be in? Oh, I don't know. I, li I like, uh, you know, 
carpentry, you know, anything, anything to do with my hands. So I probably, and probably would have ended up in the trades of some sort, maybe, I don't know, but it's, it's, it, this is something that started with me very early. And, you know, I, I, you know, there's, I can't, I can't even imagine anything I would ever want to do. I'm not an office person. I know that I could never work in an office technology. Well, you know, I'm an artist. I create food. So that's what I enjoy the most. I, I know the feeling. I don't know. There's a, there is a, a very strange like version of, of pride that I feel when I execute something well. And it's only from, you know, my head, my knowledge, my execution. And that high is, is just, it's such a great high. That feeling of like, hey, I did something. I made something. Wasn't here before. And look, it works. It's successful. Yeah. That high is something that I think every uh, every great chef chases, and well, I think it's hard to find that anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you know, you have tape, you have people coming in and eating dinner, and you see all the plates come back, and they're all empty and literally scraped clean, and you're just like, the server's walking by, going, "Hey, chef, look." You know, it's like awesome. And you go out and say hi to the people, and go you know, how, how was your dinner this evening? And, you know, when they turn around and say to you, you know, that was one of the best dinners I've had, you know, in, in, in a long time. And, you know, like we do an elk tartare dish, for example, and it was a new one that we started up and people are just like, they're blown away by it because they're going, who does elk tartare? Really? We tried it out and people love it. And you can see when, when you talk to them about it, they're like, man, that was so good. So good. I'll be back for that again. And that's, that's, that that's what makes me go. This is why I'm doing it. This is what I love. I love to interact with people and I like to, you know, and I like to see their faces when they just enjoyed such a great meal. Magical. I'm looking at some of the pictures of it right now. Uh, <laughs> and I'm looking at some beautiful terrines and uh, all sorts of lovely fish. Uh, it looks like something that I would be super jazzed to eat, but you know, restaurants aren't always sunshine, rainbows and, and delicious fish. What's the worst part of your day the worst part of your day is when you know especially here in canada sometimes and the weather's really bad and all of a sudden people cancel reservations because of a snowstorm and then you're like a revenue down and that's the worst thing because you it's hard to make making revenue back is not easy you know you can't make up for a lost day it's not like oh the next day i'll be busier it's like no 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 it doesn't work that way it's like every day needs to be steady and busy and you know that's where you make money how are you planning to evolve you know, I'm just looking at starting to do other side businesses. You know, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at writing a cookbook now. Um, you know, I want to expand not to other restaurants, but you know, like I just started up a, a small company called Spirited Brisket, and I'm doing smoked briskets, and we're slowly building that up, tiny, just little amounts at a time. But you know, word of mouth is getting out there and building up that way. I don't know, building up other uh, ways to do different things and become more involved in, in, uh, in events. Like, uh, you know, we do, we used to do this event uh, at Michael Statlander's farm called the wild leak and maple festival. And, you know, 300 people would come on his farm and walk over the acreage and different 20 chefs up there. And, you know, more and more things like that, you know, getting more involved with people. One thing that I like to ask is if someone's considering getting into the business, What's just one piece of advice that you would give them? Don't do it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what everyone says. <laughs> no. Um, you know, just go in, you know, be smart about it. Get Go in with, a you know, a budget. 
make sure you have money to, you know, you open the doors with, you know, like, you know, have a good cushion in the bank to get, to get started. I mean, some people will just go in, you know, they open up and it's like, I've only got 10 grand in the bank. And it's like, you need, you need the cash, good cash flow to keep you going because nowadays, especially everybody's pretty much COD. There's no more terms anymore. So you got to be careful how you manage your money. And it's, you know, I've, I've been through that too, where it's like, you know, I've, I, you know, I'm like, my God, I just screwed this all up. And it's like, now I've got no cash and it's a problem. So just make sure that you, you if, when you go into this business, you got a good plan, a great idea. Don't just going in and say, oh, I'm going to open a, you know, a taco place. You know, it's like, you better have amazing taco to deal with, you know, like that's, you know, have a great product make sure you have something that people really want and make sure it's not mediocre because if you do that, then you're done. Yeah. Mediocrity, I think is the, you know, the cholesterol of restaurants. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the silent killer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. It sounds like you have uh, an incredible story and an incredible restaurant. And uh, when I'm in Toronto, I will have to look you up. Anytime. It'd be a pleasure to have you. Thank you for listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. I'm Justin Warner. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you on the next one.